I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Behind the Line podcast, where we discuss all things related to the Super Retriever series. Hey everybody, I'm your host David Hamilton and our guest today is Mike Gibson, the 2021 Super Retriever Series Crown Champion in the Amateur Division. Mike and his dog Trig took home the Crown Championship for the second time, becoming the first ever amateur dog and handler team to accomplish that. And we'll talk to them today about their week down there in Shreveport and Bossier City, Louisiana, when they brought home their second crown. Before we get started here with Mike, we do want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Yukonuba. Yukonuba is the sponsor of the Super Retriever Series Crown Championship and the Behind the Line podcast series. Yukonuba is the leader in premium nutrition for sporting and working dogs. As I mentioned a moment ago, our guest today is Mike Gibson, the 2021 crown champion in the amateur division. Mike and his dog Trig brought home not their first, but their second amateur crown championship. And Mike, it was uh, an exciting week for you and Trig down there in Louisiana. And I'm sure that uh, you're, you're awful proud of your dog uh, and what y'all are able to accomplish uh, this year at the crown championship. Yes. Thank you, David. And, and thank you for, uh, for having us on this evening. Um, it was a, a special week and, uh, new location. Nobody knew what to expect from the grounds, um, so there was a lot of a uh, lot of new things. And as as it is every year, there's more and more quality players in the game, and it's becoming more and more difficult to you know to finish at the top. And we're just we're grateful and thankful. And um, you know, my heart goes out at the same time to Steve Guzman and Dre. They had a great great week and. And, and as, you know, anybody that's been in this game for very long will tell you that, uh, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's not over till it's over because, uh, you know, things can happen for the good and for the bad uh, really quickly in this game. And, uh, you know, this, this particular week was uh, uh, turned in our favor and, and, and we're grateful for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned a, a couple things that I want to talk about on the show today. Number one, we'll start with the location. So anyone that follows this game knows that the Crown Championship uh, for the last few years, with the exception of one year that it was in Natchez, Mississippi, for for the most part, uh, the last decade or so, it's kind of been down there in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, and although the tests are different, at least the grounds where we compete are the same. So you kind of know what to, what to train for. But this year, uh, the Crown Championship was in Shreveport, Louisiana. And so how did that impact your and Trigg's training 
not knowing what terrain or elements you were going to face uh, when you got down to Louisiana? Well, for me personally, again, I've been to Huntsville many times and, and you sort of know the grounds that are going to be played on. And uh, there, there are certain tendencies and certain things that you, you might be able to prepare a little bit for ahead of time. Uh, this situation, myself personally, I'd never been to uh, these grounds in, in this part of Louisiana. So, you know, for me, training and leading up to the crown, it, it, and, and, it, and frankly, David, this is what I try to do every year, um, is I try to be as fundamentally sound as we possibly can. And, um, and, and hopefully those fundamentals will carry us through any setup that we might face or any type of grounds that we might face. So I spend a tremendous amount of time uh, on the fundamentals and the basics and just try to be as solid as we possibly can at the fundamentals. And, and Trigg is talented enough to, you know, if he sees the marks, he can go get them. And, uh, you know, it's my job as the, 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 the handler and the trainer is just to have him prepared. And, and, and the way I always, always try to do that, regardless of where the grounds are at, is to be as fundamentally sound as possible. And, and with Trigg, um, he seems kind of even keel from those of us that are watching. I know when I was watching him on the uh, uh, helping broadcast the live stream there, along with uh, co-host J. Paul Jackson and, and Rody Best. By the way, guys, if you are listening, appreciate it. Um, so three of us were, were doing the live stream and, and it just seemed that, you know, Trigg, he had been there before. Right. And, and he knew what to expect. And you had been there multiple times, not just with Trigg, but with mm-hmm. your previous dog Jeter and had finished, you know, second and third with Jeter and then had won before with Trigg and all weekend, it just kind of seemed like y'all were chugging along and he, he didn't seem like anything really got him too, too spooked or, or too excited. Uh, was it the same, uh, thing that you saw when you were standing there beside him, uh, at the line with him throughout the various different series? It was, David, and it's what I expect of him. I mean, that's, you know, Trigg and I have run a lot together. I mean, I think I've won, you know, five or six times now with Trigg in the SRS arena. And, again, that's two out of the last three years on the crown side with Trigg. Um, he, he's just that kind of dog. And, you know, he's nine and a half years old, and so there's a lot of experience under his belt at the same time. It wasn't his first rodeo. But uh, but Trigg, is, he is just that type of dog. He he, he almost, you know, he, he almost can't wait to get to the line and sit down and say, okay, you know, what, what are you going to throw at us now? And, and let me go get him. So um, he's a very experienced dog, but uh, he's also a very talented dog. And, you know, we just have to be careful with Trig at nine and a half. And he, he's had a couple injuries along the way and, and, and training and preparing leading up to it is kind of that, uh, that fine line of, of preparedness. Uh, as well as nurturing uh, his health so that he's in the best possible uh, uh, physical condition that he can be in when that time comes. Because that's, that's a grueling week, and, and it was particularly grueling down here with the heat and uh, a lot of running water and, and, and muck and, you know, not just swimming but pulling through the mud and things like that. You'll, you'll notice and recall that a lot of times Trig would go out at a, at, a, at a good speed, but when he come back, you know, he wasn't coming back with the same speed that he went out. But uh, – Trig is that way. He's very even keeled, but, uh, but but he's a dog that loves to go do his thing, so he can't wait to get to the line. Let's kind of take it series by series here. So series one, uh, you and, and Trig go out and, and you put up a 100. And, and for anybody at home who maybe listen to this podcast who maybe also have, have watched some SRS events and aren't familiar with the scoring, think like golf. So lower score, the better. Um, you and, and Trigg went out there and, and uh, put up a hundred, but compared to some other people out there who were putting up, you know, one fifties, two hundred, two fifties. How'd you feel about that test? How'd you feel about your performance? And how'd you feel about your score? 
Well, the, the very first test was a very complicated setup right out of the chute and, and wouldn't expect anything less for the crown championship. And, um, you know, we were we had to run early in the order. I think we were like the fifth dog to run. And we certainly uh, watched, watched dogs in front of us really have a tough time with it. And uh, so that really, really scares you going into it as well. You didn't have much time to sit and watch others and watch, try to find out some of the pitfalls and, and, and what to expect. But uh, Trigg handled it pretty well. I, I would have liked to have run the blind just a little bit better, but he handled everything else pretty darn well. And uh, at the time, uh, 100 was a pretty darn good score. In fact, it ended up being, I think, the sixth or seventh best score overall for the entire day. So, you know, given what I was sitting there watching, um, it was not an A series run for him, but, uh, it, but, you know, it was a good enough series to keep us in a pretty good position and get us off to a decent start get, given, you know, the, the factors in that test. Yeah. I remember at the beginning of the week, I, I remember Rody asked Jay Paul, Hey, Jay Paul, how many points you think will win this thing? And Jay Paul goes, you know, if I think you come in around, you know, uh, 250 or 300, you'll probably win. And I laughed at the end when, uh, you and Trigg were the winners with 596. And, and even in the open category, Clark and Stroker had a 390. So nobody was down near that 250 and, and no. 300, but I, I felt like the judges were, were strict, but were fair. And is that a, your assessment of it as well? They, they were given a, higher point totals than usual than we'd expect in some events, but they were fair across the board. So at least you knew what you could expect. That's right. It, it was higher than we normally would see, but it was very, they were very consistent all the way throughout. And so whether they're high or whether they're low, they were extremely consistent uh, throughout the entire thing. So that's all, all you can ask for. Heading into series two, were you thinking you were going to get a hunt test at that point? Were you thinking you were getting a field trial? What what were you thinking? And then, you, you know, you go out there and you see the test. And what were your thoughts when you're out there with the with the judges and the test dog and they're explaining the test? Well, since the first series was a hunt savvy, I really kind of expected a field trial set up, uh, a white coat set up in the second series. And, and it was not that. And, um, you know, they, they, the judges did a great job of taking advantage of the cover. There was a lot of, a lot of terrain and a lot of cover uh, that made it difficult to navigate. And, and uh, you know, and your first key, as with any of these series, uh, is to make sure your dog sees all the birds. And I don't feel like I did a great job of, of uh, uh, communicating with Trigg to see all the birds in every series. In fact, I think in every series but one, he, he, he saw, you know, he, he, he didn't see one mark in, in each of the series, which that always makes it more difficult. Uh, you have a lot better chance when your dog sees them all to, to go get them. And, uh, but that second series is, was uh, very challenging. And, and again, Trigg didn't see one of the marks. And, and uh, so no matter what game plan you go to the line with, uh, you know, you have to go to plan B or plan C or plan D real quick. Like, uh, uh, you know, and, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize um the split second decisions that have to be made up there. And, and it's a difference of posting a, a reasonable score, or a good score, or putting yourself in real harm's way. And, uh, you know, but uh, again, at the end of the series, um, you know, Trigg, uh, uh, he got the key marks, you know, he, he missed one mark and uh, was in all the heavy cover and, and uh, you know, hurt our score score a little bit, but as throughout the week, Trig Trig never had a bad run, but also felt like he never had an A series run. And uh, as again, a lot of times you you can't win the crown or any SRS event in the first series, but you can darn sure lose it. And uh, so you know, we had a we had a reasonable score that kept us in touch with everything. And, and typically, 
the more that uh, the more we're there, the longer the weekend goes. Uh, trig usually gets better and better and better, and I think you know zeroes in and hones in and focuses in more and more. So typically, it gets better and better and better as the week goes on. And you mentioned earlier, you know, Steve Guzman and his and his dog Dre, they had a, a kind of really good first series, a, a mm-hmm. decent second series, and, and kind of flip flop for for Dottie and Justin Hooter, who had a, a, a decent first series and then a really spectacular second series. So you and, and Trig were kind of sitting right there with the two of them, along with you know, kind of Stuart Williams and John Lamar and a couple other people. But those those two newcomers were kind of sitting up there near the top and so it was you know here's mike a guy who's been here several times he's been a a finalist several times he's been a winner and then we got two newcomers so uh and and i don't ask this question as a slide on them in any way shape or form but more of a did you feel like hey maybe the fact that i've been here before and i've experienced it knowing what the crown typically throws at you knowing how to handle the anxiety or nervousness you get on, on such a grand stage do you think that was going to help you out in the third, fourth, and fifth series after that second series when you're looking up there and you're going, okay, you know, we're near the leaderboard. We're certainly not in first, but we're certainly, you know, in contention. And some of the people that I'm competing with haven't been on this stage before. Well, you know, I, I generally don't try to concern myself a whole lot with the other, uh, the other people, the other teams. Uh, I had never met Steve before. I'd never met Justin before. Uh, it was great to spend time with them over the week and get to know them. And, and uh, you know, they're great guys. Um, they, they were – I was in their shoes once and at my first one. You don't know what to expect, but I think those two gentlemen handled themselves extremely well. Um, you know, I don't think the nerves ever got to them. I know they were nervous. We're all nervous. I don't care how many times you've been there. I was nervous. Um, but, but I think they handled it very, very well. And, and I try not to focus on them. I try to just focus on what Trig and I have to do. And, you know, I wanted to just continue as each series went by to, to make up ground. And, uh, you know, in this, in this game, again, I've been fortunate enough that I've won four crowns and, you know, since 2009 and, and, um, you know, been in the finals multiple times, but it doesn't matter how many times you've been there. You know, every series is a challenge, and it just comes down to you and your dog being able to stand up there and, and perform to the best of your ability, and, and hopefully at the end of the day that get, gives you a chance. And, uh, you know, so that's what I try to focus on. And, and um, you know, again, as I said, Trig, Trig never you – you kept waiting for that A-plus run, and uh, – uh, to really, really maybe put some pressure on some other people, and um, and we never really got that A plus run, but we never had a we never had a terrible run either. We had we had good consistent runs every time, but we never got to hit that one out of the park, you know. So I just kept waiting for that, hoping that if we could stay in touch and have that one series that that we hit it out of the park, and then it would be you know game on. Yep, and I look at just sitting here looking at your scores now, 100, 128, 118, 102, 148. So like you said, super consistent across all five series. You expressed earlier on one of my previous questions uh, the same sentiments that others had. You know, they after that hunt savvy test in series one, they're like, okay, maybe maybe the, the field trial series two, but it was actually a hunt test. So series three is the really long hunt trial or, or field trial, and it was in that big field. Uh, it was the middle of the day. So you have a nine-year-old dog. You've mentioned you don't want to get him overheated. 
Also, we know that as dogs get older, maybe their hearing becomes a little bit more impaired, especially the further they get from the handler. So as you walked the line or even as you watched other competitors before you, was there any concern that if I get Trig in any place where he may not be able to see and or hear me, we could get in trouble quick? Well, the, the, the white coat series stuff is something Trig is really strong at. And, and in this game, you know, it's why it's so difficult. You have to be you have to be good at a lot of different facets of the game. And this particular piece of it is typically Trig's strength is the, the, the big white coat setup. So I was looking forward to it. Um, saw a little concept there that was thrown in with the uh, with that long middle gunner that uh, frankly hadn't seen before. And, um, you know, there really wasn't really anywhere to get lost. If you really got lost in it, it was your own fault um, for letting your dog get out there and, and get in a position to where one little slip of the whistle would put you in bad trouble. And, uh, you know, we certainly saw that with a few people. But, uh, uh, you know, Trig, trig usually, I was pretty confident going into that that we might have a chance to make up some ground there. And, and uh, but uh, again, Trig, trig uh, you know, he, um, he, he gets hot really easily, and so I was really concerned about that. But he ha- he handled that situation in in uh, you know again pretty good fashion, and not not the perfect series that we'd like to see. But uh, you know he, he he handled it with a couple quick handles pretty pretty easily. So you know and and the scores were relatively and uh, you know relatively high again, and it showed that. But um, but you know relatively speaking, you know he he had a pretty solid run there. Then we headed over to, to Series 4 uh, over at that same property, but kind of in a, in a brand-new setup where the handlers were kind of at the top of the hill and the dogs had to run kind of downhill and then back up. And there was a, a blind, and, and there was also even a mark that gave some people some issues. So in watching those that went before you, how did you take what they did and, and apply that to your and Triggs run? And if you can just kind of talk our – uh, listeners kind of through that fourth series of the, of the layout and how you approached it and how you thought Trig handled that. Right. Well, I- again, luckily we were, we were towards the, you know, the, 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 the better end of the standings at that point. So you get a chance to see a lot of other dogs run before you run. And uh, you certainly saw a couple of dogs get in trouble that um, uh, you certainly wanted to avoid because there's certain situations you get in trouble. You know, we saw a dog or two get into that pond that you really couldn't tell they got into the pond until they were really, really, really in trouble. And once you get that far in trouble, it's just, it's just almost impossible to recover from. So, you know, in, in running that, you know, you kind of went after that test in an out of, out of order situation. Uh, you went after that left-hand bird first, you know, to try to, to clear it out of the way. So you had no issues trying to run the blind then. Um, but also if you, you know, if you allowed your dog to get a little farther to the right, they could, they could get over a, in a little ditch down there before you knew it. And they were in that pond and you couldn't see them again and for a while to even handle them. So, you know, the, the key there was, you know, uh, staying on a good line to the blind and, uh, you know, we handled the blind. Okay. I took a few more whistles than I would like to have, but we were in, we were in good position all the way down through there. And then, uh, once again, uh, uh, Trig didn't see the long right-hand mark, you know, and so we, we, we picked up the short right-hand mark in pretty good shape. And then, you know, I had to, uh, try to do a sales job to uh, really convince him of where that long right-hand mark was. And, and he took off and, and had a little bit of a, you know, he, his line wasn't perfect to that. And we had to, I had to blow one whistle and, you know, he took a great cast and went all the way back to the bird. So, um, 
again, came out of it in fairly good shape, you know, relatively speaking to the rest of the crowd. Uh, uh, but, uh, again, not, not the ideal run that we would love to have had. You, you make the cut to the finals. You make it to the fifth series. Uh, like you said, not, not a bad performance by any mean. Uh, 102 there in the fourth series. But we did have a couple competitors. You know, Steve Guzman, uh, who, you know, kind of series three and four, had a, a 72 and a 37, and then John Lamar with a 31 and a 99. Uh, and, and so, you know, you were right there in the hunt, but you, you weren't going into series five as the one with the bullseye on your back that kind of the others were. Um, and so did that change your approach heading into that final series? Or again, were you just like, let's go up there? Did you take any chances you normally wouldn't take in another series? Or were you just trying to stick to the fundamentals? No, I, you know, at that point, you know, uh, Steve, Steve had a, you know, I don't remember exactly what the lead was, but he, he had over a hundred point lead on us. And as you can see from the scoring during the week, um, you know, a hundred points, you, you know, could go by the wayside pretty quickly. But, uh, but my thing was, I, I just wanted to run the series as clean as we possibly could, uh, maybe post a really good store, score and at least put some pressure on Steve to, you know, to have to, you know, have to run a reasonably good run. At that point in time, it was Steve's, uh, it was Steve's to, to win or lose. And, um, but my, you know, my thinking was I was in second place and um, I wanted to post a really good score so that we could finish strong and at least at least force him to have to have a, a reasonable run in order to beat us. And and, uh, you know, as it turns out, I think we got a 148 and uh, nobody had picked up that long left hand bird clean yet. And, and Trig just almost did it. It took me one quick whistle and he, he had it. Uh, but uh you know, with a 148, I think that ended up being the third best score of the day of all the dogs, pros, or ams. And, uh, you know, at least it was enough that it, it was going to force Steve to, you know, have to have a reasonably good run. But uh, but it was still Steve's to, you know, Steve Steve had a commanding lead. And, 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 and just unfortunate for him that, you know, the run didn't, you know, it, it got away from him and, and got away from him in a big way. And, you know, instead of being behind by 100, we ended up winning by 100 and, and, um, and again, I just, you know, although I was, you know, happy for what we was able to do, you know, uh, it was just, you know, I, I really felt bad for Steve cause his dog is going to be a player to play for a while. And Steve, uh, you know, got to know him a little bit during the week and just, you know, really enjoyed being around him and he, he'll, he'll be back for more. He'll, he'll be a strong competitor in this game, I believe for a, a long time to come. And certainly I think you share all our sentiments there. We were all, you know, feeling bad for Steve on that last series. But I also know that you're modest and humble and you're not a guy who's going to brag, but but I'll brag on you here for a little bit, man. Your last run, I remember just thinking, wow, there's a lot here on this test, as it should be in the finals. I mean, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a poison bird. There's a bird, like you said, on, on the far left that, if, that if, you, if you didn't see your dog and they got up on that bank, kind of what happened to Steve, you, you don't know where your dog is. Depth-wise, back behind that brush area – and people approached it different ways, but I just remember sitting up there watching it from the broadcast booth and going, you know, Mike kind of knocked this out of the park. Um, you, that you and Trig just seemed to go up there, even keeled, and just hammered it home. And, you know, I think my speaking for myself and, and Jay Paul and, and Rody, we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, okay. you know, Mike, Mike came to play. Um, as Trig was running it, Certainly, I can imagine from a handler standpoint, you're kind of thinking one bird at a time. But as, as Trigg's coming back with that last 
bird in his mouth. How'd you feel about that run? I mean, did you, obviously at that point, Steve hadn't run yet, but were you like, okay, like we, we did a really nice job there. Yeah. You know, I, I was happy for Trig because that was a very, very demanding test. And, um, you know, Tr- Trig had to run two series, I think that day, uh, we had to finish up, but, but, you know, that, that was five marks in that last series. And that was not easy in that heat and those conditions to get done. And that's, you know, Trig's nine and a half little, a few little health issues, you know, we're at the tail end of the week. And, uh, after, you know, four grueling tests prior to that. And so, you know, I, I know the heart that Trig has, you know, I've hunted him, you know, I've seen him do things that are just amazing, um, you know, and you can never fault his heart and what he wants to go do, but you just wonder if he hasn't, you know, he has plenty of want to, but does he have enough can do, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he uh, you know, you, you didn't see a nine and a half year old dog walking out to go get those birds. You saw a nine and a half year old dog going all out to go get them. Now he may, he may coast coming back in and try to reserve some energy, but going to the birds, he, 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 he went a hundred miles an hour out there and that those were just simply not easy conditions. And, uh, so I was very proud and I, and I knew we finished strong and, uh, I, I knew that we would, you know, finish probably no worse than second place. And, uh, at that point in time, I was going to be happy with that because Steve had had a great week and, um, you know, we, we had done the best we could do and all we could do at the end there was just put the best run we could on and, uh, see what happens. How much does it mean to you that, that Trigg was able to get another win? Um, I mean, I know from, from what you wrote with it, Shannon posted on the Facebook page, Obviously, you said you're very proud as he becomes the first amateur dog to win the crown twice. Um, you know, c- competition's getting tougher and tougher. Amateur division had multiple crown champions competing this year, and he's just a phenomenal dog who's willing to work every day. But, I mean, looking back on it now, like just how as his owner, as his handler, as his teammate there on the line, as his trainer, how proud are you of of what Trigg was able to accomplish, especially, like you said, since we're kind of coming towards the end of Trigg's career? Well, it, it's just very special. You know, you try to, uh, you know, he's just such a quality dog. And I, and I had those opportunities with Jeter. I mean, Jeter, Jeter won in 2015. And I think in 17, maybe, or maybe the very next year, I lose track of him. But, you know, going into the semifinal series, Jeter Jeter was in first place, pros or ams of everybody. I mean, he was, you know, and I was thinking, man, we, we got I got a chance to do this with Jeter. Uh, to get that second win, you know, something that nobody had ever been able to do on the amateur side, as far as uh, a dog being able to have, you know, uh, two time champion by his name. And, you know, I just came up short, you know, two or three times with Jeter. And so I thought, well, here again, but now I've got this opportunity with Trig and, um, you know, it's just, it's just special, David, it's something that nobody will ever be able to take away, no matter how many times, more times it happens and, and it'll happen again. There's just too many good dogs and too many good handlers out there. It'll happen again, but, um, no matter how many times it happens, we were the first to do it. And, um, uh, I knocked on that door multiple times, like I said, with Jeter and, and just, you know, you know, I, I know exactly how Steve feels. I've been there. And, um, but, you know, I'm just proud of Trig. We don't know if he'll, you know, he'll be able, we'll be able to keep his health together, you know, long enough to have another shot at it next year. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just special. It's just something you sit back and reflect on. And, and, you know, I have to pinch myself, you know, every day and say, I can't believe that's, that, 
is that really me? You know, did we really do that? You know, and uh, um, I can remember running my first crown with Shady, and uh, I still remember the broadcast to this day with uh, one of the uh, commentators saying, you know, as we got into it back then, pros and ams were all mixed together, and uh, 12 dogs go to the semifinals, and uh, Shady and only one other amateur. We were two of two amateurs was in the final 12, and uh, Shady, I think, ended up finishing in fifth place overall that year. We were the only amateur to finish at Pepper's Pond. And I can still remember the commentator saying, you know, I was new to the game. I was a newcomer. Very fair to say, I, you know, I just don't know if Mike, uh, you know, if Mike has the handling experience to, uh, you know, to pull this off. And, uh, you know, that's sort of been a motivating factor for me ever since that, uh, you know, I don't I, I, I hope that I can. I hope that I can prove somebody somewhere along the line to say I'm handler enough that we we can handle it. So, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say it on behalf of everyone. I think, I think after all the performances with Shady and Jeter and now Trig, I think, I think it's fair to say you're, uh, you not only can handle it, you're one of the best. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we're super proud to have you in the game and, and, and I think we're all cheering for you, um, you know, to continue on and continue to be one of the best handlers that this sport has seen. Uh, you mentioned that Trig, you know, may or may not compete next year. Kind of what's talk us through that, that determining process there. What's it going to take to, to make that assessment of, okay, let's, let's try to make another run at this or, okay, maybe he's, maybe he's had enough and let's, let's go out on a high note and retire him while he's crouching. Yeah. Well, you know, Trig again is, is uh, really lives with my daughter and son-in-law. He's their dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I got Trig back, you know, when, when they were going to allow me because Trig and I were qualified for the crown and I know Caleb really wants to really wants to run Trig at the crown. And, and, uh, you know, he, he just fell short a couple of times this year in, in, uh, events to be able to qualify him himself. So, you know, fortunately I got to run him at the crown and, and, um, you know, I got him on September the 1st. And so we had six weeks to prepare for the crown and, and, uh, you know, we'll nurse his health. We'll, we'll hunt him, but we'll also hunt smartly with him during the hunting season. There'll be certain conditions. We don't let him go in because he will go. There's, it doesn't matter if he has to, to hop on one leg, he'd go. So we we have to look out for him. And so we will, uh, you know, we have this in mind for next year. And, um, you know, so throughout between now and next year, as we train, as we hunt, as everything we do, we will be planning for the crown for him next year and trying to get him there and in really good condition to, you know, have a chance to see if we can do it again. But uh, we'll know, you know, you know, with Jeter, I knew it was time. Jeter got old enough. Jeter today, this day, and and I know we're talking about Trig, but Jeter's nearly 13 years old. And if you saw him run, you'd you you would say, "Wow, that dog's not 13 years old." But there are certain other things that start to go that you can't see. It's you know the sights and the hearing. And when that eyesight and that hearing um, starts to go, they might have great physical abilities otherwise. Uh, but those couple things, there's nothing you can do to save that. And, uh, you know, for right now, Trig still sees great. And for right now, Trig's hearing is, is just fine. Um, you know, it's, it's other physical, uh, the things that we got to keep an eye on. And, um, so we'll just gauge that as we go, you know, his want to will be there. We, but we have to protect him from himself because he, he will, he, he will not stop. What's the future hold for Mike in this sport? Uh, any any new dogs coming along, or, or anybody we can expect to see you come to the line with if it's not Trig? Absolutely, I've got a uh, I've got a two year old uh, yellow male that um, 
just got second place in a qualifying event a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, he's showing a lot of promise and, and I hope to start running him in SRS events, um, uh, next spring. So, uh, he's showing a lot of promise and I'm excited about, uh, what he, what he has the ability to do and, uh, you know, got big shoes to fill. I've, I've been blessed with Jeter and Trig over the last, you know, 10, 12 years. And, um, you know, that's just not something that, uh, you know, you get to do every time you get a lab, you get to play at that level, you know? And so I've, I've just been blessed and very fortunate. And I hope that, uh, Blaze is the next, uh, up and comer. And I've also got a five-year-old female that's, uh, that got second place at an event in Georgia, uh, last year. Um, her issue is she's really, she can be really good and she can be really bad. It's consistency. That's her issue. Uh, but her talent level is there to do well, but, but blaze my two-year-old male, um, I think is going to give me a chance to be that next generation dog that I get to play with. So we'll, we'll see how things start to unfold next year, but there are not too many three and four-year-old dogs that do well in this game. It takes a little while to get some experience under your belt for all the things they can throw at you. So, um, but I'm excited to, uh, maybe, uh, break out that next generation, uh, next spring. And, uh, between now and the spring, uh, anything exciting on the horizon for you? Uh, no, we're, we're trying to get through a hunting season, you know, typically, uh, after the crown is over, we kind of put the training up a little while and, and, uh, it's dark when I go to the office and it's dark when I come home from the office. And so, uh, training is limited. So, uh, you know, I try to hunt every opportunity for a couple of months on the weekends and, and then as soon as the hunting season's over, we're back to training full time. And, you know, this year, um, the way the weather's been up here, I've still been training, you know, on my lunch hour several days a week. And it uh, uh, doesn't look like our, hunt, our hunting has not been very good so far. We're pretty dry in this part of the state. So a lot of the places that we normally uh, rely on to have a good hunting season, there's just simply no water. So uh, I might spend the rest of my winter training as opposed to, to hunting. So. That's uh, unfortunate from you from a from a hunting perspective, but I think uh, I think the people listening to this podcast that are some of your competitors are like, oh, great, the guy just won the crown, and now he's going to train more than he normally does. <laughs> Raises the bar even more. Well, Mike, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Uh, again, congrats to to you and Trig, and I think you said it best when you said, even if someone else ever becomes the the you know second or third or fourth down the line in future years, you know. Uh, dog and handler team to win uh, crown championship twice in the amateur division. You can always say, and everyone will always know that it was, you know, Mike Gibson and Trigg who were able to do that first. So congrats to you and, and Trigg. I, I hope that hunting season gets a little bit uh, better for you. And uh, I guess we'll see you out there in the spring and, and in future years, like you said, maybe this year with Trigg and, and maybe in future years with, with Blaze. And uh, maybe Trigg will have a nice long retirement uh, living with your with your kids there, just like uh, you said, Jeter continues to do with you to this day. So yeah. uh, with that, man, I just wanted to say thank you for, for joining us on the podcast once again, and uh, we'll chat with you soon. Thank you very much, David. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Bye.